the crossroads, and Mara Mythos, the space between all other dimensions, a nexus point to those other dimensions, becoming a thoroughfare, and yes, a crossroads to get from one point to another, or even planet to planet within our own dimension. Over time, it has become a frequent traveling point for the likes of Doctor Strange and others. But when did the first appearance of the crossroads happen? Stick around for the answer. It might seem incredible. Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books, something I try to pass on to old and new readers. Hello, today is episode 74, November 9th, 2021. Before I go on, I want to make a small announcement. Expect the podcast now to be released on Tuesdays and Thursdays instead of Wednesdays. Adding episodes throughout the week has always been a goal, just as the goal is to keep the podcast between 15 minutes and a half an hour. Going forward, you can expect more features and hopefully some interviews as they get things lined up. As for this episode, this is first a Hulk-centric episode. I think it's a well-balanced episode talking about the Hulk all the way from the Silver Age to the modern age. But it also features Bill Mantlo, one of the great writers in the industry, who actually turned 70 today. Unfortunately, Bill's story is not a happy one, as you'll see in the segment that I produced. I've always been a big fan of Bill Mantlo, and this is just my small way of acknowledging the importance of his work in my life as a comic book fan. Now, on to the episode. I remember writer and creator Bill Mantlo. He might have gotten the attention of a Paul Levitz, Frank Miller, Chris Claremont, or even a Mark Wolfman. But who cares? His work lives on in so many, many ways. For starters, he's the co-creator of White Tiger, Cloak and Dagger, Jack of Hearts, and Rocket Raccoon, just to name a few. One of his last works was Mantlo was involved in was Invasion from DC Comics, which became an Arrowverse crossover in 2016. But let's go back to the beginning. Like many creators, Mantlo started doing production work in the early 70s at Marvel Comics. Marvel, it seemed in those days, constantly battled deadlines. One day, Tony Isabella, an editor and a writer, for one of Marvel's black and white magazines, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, needed a script pretty much overnight. Mantle volunteered, and the rest is history as they say. The artist for that particular script was also relatively new to the industry. I think you might know his name and it might ring a few bells. Ever heard of George Perez? Mantle's speed and reliability got him named as Marvel's filling king. It was said Mantle wrote more characters than even Stan Lee, due to all the fill-ins and writing a story for nearly every memorable title put out at the time. Mantlo could also write anything thrown his way, Skull, The Human Fly, and Man from Atlantis. Many of us finally remember his runs on ROM 
and Micronauts, both revamped and revived by IDW in recent years. I came to love Micronauts and ROM, and as a result, my appreciation for the writer's work just increased over time. In another segment in this podcast, I talk about Mantle's multi-year run on Hulk, which in my opinion was groundbreaking. Then, in a bit of fun, he and John Byrne permanently switched creative duties on a crossover with Byrne's Alpha Flight. In 1985, Mantlo became the new writer of Alpha Flight with issue 29, which he wrote until issue 66 in 1989. By the mid-1980s, Mantlo, while still working in the comic industry, switched gears and put himself through law school. He worked for a nonprofit group that provided legal aid for those who could not afford it. Then, in 1992, a few blocks from his house, an unimaginable tragedy struck. So often those words are used to hype a piece and reel in a reader. But no, with Mantlo, it was unimaginable. Personally, it blows my mind what happened, and I still have a hard time wrapping myself around it all. He was out rollerblading, a three-mile trek he did almost every day, and unfortunately, he wasn't wearing a helmet. As a result, he was struck by a car. The driver never stopped, and to this day has never been identified. The brain injury proved to be catastrophic, and it is a wonder how Maslow even survived. He never fully recovered and has spent the ensuing decades in some form of assisted living care. For years, his brother Mike became Bill Mantlow's legal guardian. I'm not going to spend a lot of time dwelling on the tragedy and long-term ramifications, but it remains sad and tragic to this day. If you want to learn more about it all, there are plenty of resources on the internet. Unfortunately, his brother and long-term caregiver died in 2020. One of the countless acts Michael did was to persuade Marvel to give Bill a private screening of Guardians in the Galaxy. Michael was a caretaker for Bill personally and the legacy of his brother, and the profound impact he had on the comic industry as a whole throughout the decades. As I said at the beginning, I remember Bill Mantlo, as many fans do. Due to the structure of my podcast, I can only skim the magic Mantlo brought to many like me. For new fans, it would be a disservice to yourself not to know more about Bill Mantlo's career and all his many creations. Over the years, there have been memorable runs on Hulk. Those creators read like a who's who of the industry. John Byrne, Stanley and Jack Kirby, Jeff Lowe, John Romita Jr., Greg Pak, and the list goes on and on. One iconic creative team doesn't get the consideration I think they should. It is understandable, considering the character's long history, and this particular run started 40 years ago. In 1980, Writer Roger Stern stepped away and Bill Mantlo began a five-year run. Now let's also remember the other half of the, tam- of the team, Sal Buscemi, who was already drawing the series who ended up penciling the Hulk for 10 years. The two of them would leave a lasting mark 
that's still with us through the Marvel mythos today. Together, they co-created the Soviet super soldiers, the UFOs, and even the Puffball Collective. For me, the biggest story started in Hulk 267 in 1982, when the Hulk gets bathed in gamma rays, and this is the first step, the first move to carrying the Hulk and ridding Banner of his alter ego. It finally ends in Incredible Hulk 300, but in a way that catches readers off guard and sends the Hulk literally on a new journey. Now, in the next issue, 268, Rick and Bruce discuss not ridding Banner of the Hulk, but maybe Banner gaining control of the Hulk. What if instead of destroying the Hulk for all time, Dot, what if instead we brought the chain in the Hulk under Banner's own br brilliant mind? Can you imagine the great good such a combination of strength and genius could achieve? Rick sort of said. At first, Banner balks at the idea. He doesn't want to be the Hulk under any circumstances. Instead, he wants to live an everyday life, leave work at five, and arrive home to find his wife and children waiting for him, the all-American dream. After some misadventures in space, the Hulk returns in issue 272 to Earth and ends up in the Canadian wilderness, and soon gets caught up in a battle between Alpha Flight Sasquatch and the Wendigo. Watching Sasquatch getting the tire beat out of him, Banner realizes he doesn't turn to the Hulk to help the Sasquatch out. But when adventure Banner does change, it's he who's in charge of the Hulk, which proves life-changing in more ways than one. See, Bruce Banner then bombarded back in issues 269 all the way through 272 with gamma rays. And now, being in control of the Hulk persona, he gets a second chance in life. A few issues later, Banner gets a pardon for all the past actions due to the Hulk. Banner, now considered a hero, gets a parade through New York City in issue 279, which came out in early 1983. In celebration, the issue features a plethora of guest stars, the Inhumans, Defenders, Avengers, Alpha Flight, and the Fantastic Four. Even General Ross and Banner make peace now that Banner controls the Hulk. You'd think with all the stars and celebrations it would be a double-sized issue. Nope, not at all. An almost 22-page story, and at a rarity, Sale doesn't draw this issue but Mike Grunewald. As part of the celebration is a sculpture done of the Hulk made of adamantium, created by Alicia Masters. Now, life goes on for Banner, who next teams up the Avengers to do battle with the leader in a multi-issue story. Then we get Moloch and the Abomination. Finally, 1983, Incredible Hulk 291 is a character study of a long-term supporting cast member, General Ross. It acts as a secret origin of Old Thunderbolt and another highlight in Mantle's long run. Now, we get to Incredible Hulk 291 in late 1983, which comes off as a normal issue with the Banner Hulk battling Dragon Man in the Circus of Crime. Now, long-term readers may have noticed that the corner graphic that used to feature the Hulk has changed after many years. Now, the corner graphic has Banner in a white lab coat, holding a beaker and pouring something into another beaker. However, in this issue, Banner has a nightmare. A nightmare which starts the road to issue 300. During this time in Banner's history, he becomes romantically involved with Kate Waynesboro, a scientist 
and former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. While on a plane, Banner dreams of a savage Hulk. He tells Kate how the Hulk destroys the plane and kills everyone on board. He asks her if this is just a nightmare, right? And she replies, you know it was, Bruce. The Hulk's dead, except in your mind. But Banner feels in his gut that the Hulk is just somewhere in the subconscious and that the He's just waiting for the chance to burst free and destroy his life again. Then, in 293, there is a slight change in that graphic corner. As Banner starts to funnel with the beakers, and the issue contains another nightmare involving the old Hulk. This one involving the Fantastic Four, which lasts for four pages until Bruce wakes up screaming. Now, I'm not going to give you a point-by-point breakdown of the story. That would defeat the purpose. So instead, I just want to give you some highlights and prod you to read these issues. As a new fan, I want you to seek out this run and be amazed, and more than a little saddened at how it all plays out. For others who've been down this road before, I want you to reread the arc and remember how great Sal and Bill were in this book. However, as it goes towards 300, Many fans may suspect the enemy behind the curtain is actually a long-time foe of Doctor Strange. Nightmare. And that turns out to be true. With issue 298, we see, we see everything starting to fall into place as Nightmare breaks the fourth ball, talking to us readers directly. First, as throughout the storyline, Sal's puzzles are extraordinary. And the beginning pages of the sequence look, well, like a nightmare. Those who remember Ditko's take on Nightmare's realm from those Doctor Strange stories will see it reimagined here, a little more darker, a little more sinister, and definitely more frightening. Along with Mantlo's words, we get to see Nightmare's true potential, a more well-rounded and sinister character than we've seen in the past. As Nightmare tells us, he's always had a thing with Doctor Strange, obviously, and every scheme and plot has failed. We learn exactly why he's manipulating the dreams of Banner, and the Hulk for the past several issues. Nightmare has amplified and shaped and manipulated Banner's psyche through his dreams in order of the hope of using Hulk to fight and defeat Doctor Strange once and for all. In other hands, Nightmare's plans might come off as corny or run-of-the-mill, but instead, Nightmare reaches a death not seen before that is also tragic. By now, the banner we know is fading away, and a far more savage, almost villainous Hulk has taken his place. With 300, we get the culmination of the two-year story of Banner as Hulk. Sales pencils, again, wow. Issue 300 opens with a people running in total fear and hysteria in the streets of New York. There's a small boy alone crying in the middle of the page, and in the background, in shadows of mindless savage Hulk. And on the following pages, you see a Hulk that you've never seen before. Trust me on that. And truthfully, to me, this isn't any Hulk that I've ever seen before and never want to see. For the last half dozen issues, Banner has slowly, painfully morphed down to a savage Hulk, to the point where now the Hulk becomes an engine of destruction. Then, in a reversal of the celebration of the Hulk no more, the heroes move in to stop the Hulk. There's Daredevil, Spider-Man, Human Torch, the Avengers. One highlight is a multi-page battle with Thor, which culminates with the Hulk now using the one-time 
Andamanium sculpture as a weapon. Throughout the extra-long story in issue 300 is Doctor Strange, when a previous issue confronted Nightmare and learns of all night manipulations, but it's too late to really save Banner. But, as we see in this issue, perhaps not too late to save his longtime friend, the Hulk. So in a way, Doctor Strange saves the Hulk and the day, if one wants to call it that. Now, I won't ruin the ending to number 300. Again, my whole goal is to spotlight one small piece of Bill Mantlow's career and encourage you to read a story that I still believe holds up through today. There are many excellent Hulk story arcs, and Comicsology has several available to borrow through their unlimited service. I'm constantly amazed at the thousands of comics available, and I could do a whole podcast devoted just to their offerings. In the last episode, I talked about those full-color pocket reprint books collecting a runs of Silver Age Marvel comics. Another of those pocket books was reprints of the Stanley and Incredible Hulk first six issues which featured the first appearance of the Grey Hulk. Thankfully, you don't have to go hunt down those paperbacks because Comiscology now has all six issues available. There you get the first introductions of Rick Jones, Betty, General Thunderbolt Ross, the Team Brigade, and several baddies. Even better than this is the Incredible Hulk Epic Collection, Man or Monster. Now that you get those first six issues, but his appearances in The Avengers, his first meetings with the Thing and the Fantastic Four, and a few more early Silver Age appearances. At 100 pages, it's worth checking out. In 1987, Peter Davis began his 100-issue run, excuse me, 100-plus issue run on The Incredible Hulk. In my opinion, this pushed Talk to a top-tier best-selling title, which has pretty much remained up to this date. Hulk Visionaries, Peter David, Volume 1, collects his first issues, Hulks 331 through 339. Need a little bit of a nudge? It has been penciled some dude named Todd McFarlane. Let's continue with more Peter David and Hulk, The End. First, it collects the 1992 two-issue classic, Hulk, Future Imperfect, which he did with George Perez and features the first appearance of Maestro. Second, from 2002, there's The Incredible Hulk, The End, with Dale Keown providing pencils. Here, on an alternate future Earth, 2081 for those who keep track of those things, the Marvel Universe is no more, and the battle between Banner and Hulk gets a clear winner. I hope many new fans of Hulk are listening to this particular episode because my suggestion is a fantastic Hulk run. It is the Planet Hulk saga, where the heroes of Earth trick the Hulk and set him far away off planet. At 400 pages, you get the whole saga. It is one of my favorite storylines written by Greg Pak. Finally, we have a run from 1999 that sounds like a who's who of top creators at the time. You get Byrne, Eric Larson, Jerry Ordway, Ron Garney, Dan Jurgens, and as always, many more. It does have lots of guest stars, like the Avengers, the Thing, and Iron Man. At 300 pages, it collects the first 11 issues and the 1999 annual. Of course, Comics College Unlimited has even more for you to check out. I suggest you do. You might be surprised what you find 
within their service. Let's wrap up the episode with the answer to the trivia question. The Crossroads first appeared in Incredible Hulk 300. No surprise! For the next year, the Hulk would use the Crossroads to find a plant where he could live in peace and, well, just be the Hulk. That's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, a fantastic comic fan, all one word, at gmail.com. Remember now, episodes are every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.